Hello and welcome to the Generation Gap podcast with me, Clive Glover, and uh, this time with Anna again. Hello, Anna. Hi, Clive. Now, this time we're going to talk about something that you've become very interested in, which is coffee. And why are you interested in coffee? Yeah, I'm really interested in coffee, especially recently, because I work at a coffee shop in St Albans called Charlie's. Um, Yeah, so it's definitely increased my interest because I'm just surrounded by coffee so much more. Right. And you you do drink coffee, I presume? Yes, I am. We don't actually have a coffee machine at home, so I don't really drink it at home. Um, but when I'm on my shift, I do drink it, yes. And the, I have to say, Charlie's coffee is really, really good. <laughs> well, I can endorse that. I mean, Charlie's a bit of a legend in St. Albans. Yeah, she really is. For quite a few years. And um, yes, her shop is, uh, well, her coffee is brilliant. And of course, she serves it from the, I presume she still serves it from the van at the station. I haven't actually been to the station for a while like that. Yeah, no, the van's there Monday to Friday. My manager, actually, Holly, um, runs the van. It's from 6.30 till about 10.30. And then the shop's open from Tuesday to Saturday. From, on the weekdays, it's it's 8.30, no, 8.30, sorry, until 4.30. And then on Saturday, it's 8.30 until 12.30. I just wonder, because I'm not sure a lot of young people don't really take up coffee drinking until perhaps they're older. I don't know what, what age did you start have your first cup of coffee, perhaps? Well, um, actually, it was probably quite recently, only about this year. Before that... I didn't really have much interest in coffee. It's not like my mum um, drinks coffee or like my parents drink coffee. So I didn't really have much of an interest that way. Like my brother was into coffee at one point and he had it every morning. I feel like some people, when they drink coffee, it just becomes a routine, becomes part of their day and they just have it every day. But no, I've never been like that, actually. Um, but I think a lot of people these days, especially in my age group, they don't, I feel they don't really drink um straight coffee as much maybe they drink like a frappuccino or a sweeter drink from one of the chains such as starbucks or costa i think that's probably a bit more popular because i think it is quite a like mature taste coffee well i I was sort of hinting at that without being saying so yes i think so and and obviously as you go it's it's a bit like sort of picking out wine or something like that you know you start off with perhaps a a sweet wine uh, a white one you know a fizzy one or something like Mm. that and then perhaps later as you grow up you say actually i really prefer red wine and of course that's a sort of more sophisticated taste and i think it is it is just simply something you sort of um, as you get a bit older you you sort of learn these things and and try them out and say oh actually i really prefer that and i think your take your taste does change as you get older definitely and I think it's interesting because talking about maybe like different types of wine there's different types of coffee as as I'm sure everyone knows um and I I find interesting to so so some customers that I serve have a very specific order some of them want decaf like one shot because all of Charlie's coffee is two shots um and then so if they want one shot they ask for that or if they want an extra shot they ask for that um and like it's interesting how people have come to know what they like best because you can get a flat white a cappuccino like a long black and americano white or black americano you get iced coffee like there's so many different types and i think it takes a while to work out what you like best well, also, I mean, if you go into a supermarket these days, you'll find um, rows and rows of different types of ground coffee from different places. And, and obviously, there's a degree of sophistication in saying, no, actually, I want mine from Costa Rica, please, which, by the way, is the one I prefer. <laughs> or or, or Colombia, Colombian coffee. So it's South American, I like. And of course, there are two types, aren't there? There's one that comes from basically South America and the other ones which come from Africa. Yeah. Um, but I think you may have been doing some research on all this. So what would you like to say about the what is a coffee bean and where does it come from 
Well, um, so there's like, well, there's, yeah, as you kind of said, I think the majority of coffee beans come from, yeah, South America or Africa, and they're sold kind of a single origin. So if they come from a place, a single origin place, um, such as like Bolivia, Kenya, and in my and at Charlie's, we sell beans that come from those places. Um, but I was also doing some research on kind of the like ecological effects of growing coffee and where coffee's grown. Um, and there's like two different ways of growing coffee. So um, there's something called sun cultivation, which is the most popular way of growing coffee, which is less ecologically friendly because it requires the clearing of trees, like an increase of fertilizer and pesticides, which kind of obviously damage the environment. And also it results in like habitat destruction because trees are, um, trees are cleared and like soil and water degradation, which coffee is traditionally grown under like a shaded canopy of trees, um, which does provide a habitat for indigenous animals and insects. But because there's such a global demand for coffee, um, this method of production, such as um, the shade growing, has been like superseded by sun cultivation. Um, and I've got a statistic here, which is quite shocking. 2.5 million acres of forest in Central America alone have been cleared to make way for coffee farming. Um, so it's quite, I think also we were mentioned before making the podcast about like the role of fair trade and the Rainforest Alliance. And I think it's important to know like where your coffee is sourced from and if the growers are actually getting the money that they deserve. Because I think down the supply chain, the growers can receive so much less than the coffee sold for. Um, so yeah, because I was looking to fair trade as well. This is kind of all my research that's coming out and um, fair trade offers a structured minimum price and premium guarantee for producers. So it ensures that producers and coffee growers actually get kind of a set price um, and a set income that they deserve and it's not um, vulnerable to fluctuations in the coffee market um, yeah and it ensures coffee is brought a price proportional to production um, yeah and it offers a buffer against market fluctuations um, yeah I found I find that really interesting actually right so let, let's just see I mean basically you grow uh, it's a bush isn't it? It's not a tree. You grow yeah. on, on a coffee bush, and you pick the beans, which are green beans. Yes, yeah. And the 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 farmers who produce these basically, I think they may dry them out, perhaps in the sunshine, but they don't do anything more than that. And they pack them up and send them off to uh, places, particularly like Europe or the US or something, where the the, the people who buy them then do the um, bit which adds all the value to them which basically is roasting them and then also blending of course because you can buy blends of um this and of course there's expert tasters and so on who will put you know 11.3 percent of this one in and 15.2 percent of that one in to make a very specific blend of and flavor which is what you then kind of buy in a supermarket so the coffee shop where i work we have something called charlie's blend which is a blend um of different beans and that is what we use to in the coffees that we sell. But people can also buy a kilo bag or a 250 gram bag. And that is probably the most popular coffee beans that we sell. Right. Well, that's the point that it's the the expertise you have in, in roasting and how you roast it and what temperatures you use and how long you roast it for to produce the roasted beans. And then it's also the way you you blend the various beans together and, and the grinding and all the rest of it. Um, I mean, you said you haven't got a machine at home to make coffee. And of course, that's one of the things that fascinates me these days. I mean, I've got one of those um, filter percolators, which I've had for years. You basically put the coffee grounds into a filter paper and it sort of puts water, hot water through it and all the rest of it. Mm. And then 
fills up the jug with coffee, which is a pretty easy thing to do. That's, of course, incredibly old-fashioned now. People have these magic machines where you, you sort of push a few buttons on it and it goes gurgles and steams and so on, and then suddenly produces the, the coffee out um, mixed up with your milk if you want it and all the rest of it and some of those things cost like 700 pound for a machine and i kind of feel i don't know why someone would spend that much money on a machine doing that but perhaps i'm wrong well at charlie's we have like an industrial machine that we use to grind the coffee and it is interesting because different people want different ways of grinding the beans so you can like grind it for an aeropress or grind it for a cafetiere and um those machines yeah are really really expensive um but i think some people like just love their coffee like it's so popular and I think people actually rely on it for their source of energy and I think do you know Clive if coffee is addictive because I feel like it is when I drink it I find it very addictive I think drinking it is addictive as it were it becomes a habit as you said earlier I mean you know you've got to have your first mug of coffee before you can do anything in the morning that kind of thing i don't think it's actually addictive in the sense in that sense but uh, in the other sense but i think it is addictive in terms of sort of habit you get into very easily um and um so that's probably <laughs> what you, what you're that's probably what's happening to you now i suppose you're just yeah. getting used to the idea maybe the caffeine's uh, a bit addictive as well maybe and the smell is quite something, isn't mm. it? I mean, it's one of those things, if you walk into any sort of cafe or restaurant, one of the smells that people do is, is either cooking bread or it's co- um, coffee brewing is the two mm. sort of things which you, you find when you walk in. I remember when I first started working at Charlie's, I noticed very much that when I came out of my shift, I like my clothes just smell of coffee so strongly because <laughs> um, it gets, yeah, the smell is everywhere when you're working in a coffee shop. But I, I don't really notice it anymore, actually. Oh, but everybody else does, though. You see, they, yeah. they move, move away from you as you walk along the street. I know. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering why people were doing that. <laughs> it, it's, it's social distancing, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> well, actually, that reinforces it for you. That's Perhaps that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a natural way to social distance without having to ask anyone to. Okay, so, um, I mean, the other th- aspect of this, obviously, is, is the reason, I mean, coffee was, uh, I've looked at the sort of history of this. I mean, mm. uh, basically, it was... Um, it came to Europe via Turkey and sort of Middle East, where it, it was sort of used for some centuries, um, and then it arrived in Europe sort of what, about four hundred years ago now. Um, and people started drinking it, and of course, they, people set up various early um, coffee shops. And amazingly, the the oldest coffee shop—I don't know if you've seen this—but um, the oldest coffee shop in this country, for example, was actually in sixteen fifty. Oh wow! Opened up opened up in Oxford, and apparently. There were two rival coffee shops opposite each other in the middle of Oxford. And one of them is still there now. So that's quite impressive, isn't it? That would be awesome to go, like the oldest coffee shop. Like the Fighting Cox is the allegedly the oldest pub in St Albans. You could go to the oldest coffee shop. But I think it's really interesting because I would never think that coffee is dated back that far. It just seems like such a modern phenomenon to me. Well, the thing is, the thing is it, it's, it's gone in a big cycle. That In the um, 17th century, I think it was, um, it was basically a place of, to meet for business. So in somewhere like the City of London, which obviously has been around doing sort of financial things for many, many years, yeah. um, it would be people, actually not people, it would be men, men only, I have mentioned that, um, who would meet in know, the coffee I'm, shops I'm not, to I'm do not business. very fond of that. <laughs> 
Well, obviously, that was very much the way things were at the time. It's obviously it looks looking back on it now, it would seem a bit weird. But let, let's not go there on that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what fascinated me was that the the origins of several very big sort of institutions um, we we know and maybe don't love, but we'll see. Um, the London Stock Exchange and, for example, Lloyd's of London, the big insurance organisation, uh, both started out basically as coffee shops. And so men would be going down there to do business. They spend all day probably um, in the place um, drinking coffee, meeting up with people, arranging deals and contracts and so on. And particularly around uh, the city area, which was sort of obviously in the times when London docks was huge. I mean, two hundred up to 200 years ago, London docks was miles and miles and miles of docks and warehouses. And so people were bringing in stuff from all over the world and, and selling it on and, and uh, make, doing deals with people who shipped it in. Obviously, including things like coffee and also some things like spices, which were particularly valuable. I mean, mm. I think uh, I read once that peppercorns were more valuable than gold. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Um, pepper, actually, so, pepper. Well, I didn't really realise until my mum told me that salt and pepper is actually really expensive. Well, pepper in particular. Well, pep, I say pepper used to be really, really valuable because it it was um, only brought in in small quantities and things, and uh, so each peppercorn was sort of weighed out, and uh, they charged it more than uh, bits of gold. So that was quite amazing. Um, but I mean, this was where the sort of whole transactional thing and doing business with people was basically sitting down in a cafe, having a cup of coffee with them, and talking over the deal you wanted to do. Now that's obviously still very much a modern thing, mm. but there's been a, but it, that was like 300 years ago um that's how it worked but in more recent times and i suppose I mean, <laughs> to me it's a time within my lifetime but obviously it's probably not for you um i suppose um the the new type coffee shops that you're more familiar with including charlie's um are really a relatively new phenomena uh probably the last 30 years here um and um they, they've grown up and um you know sort of say more than 30 years ago a coffee was basically instant coffee in most places you went to a cafe you had a coffee it was probably 50p mm. and it was instant coffee with a bit of milk in it and that was it right basically no one was very sophisticated in their coffee culture um but then the the, the coffee chains started up here some of the um independent ones and then of course later the the big ones started to move in um and i think oh, I can tell you a little story about this because I yeah. happen to be involved um, I was working in London I worked in London for about 30 years actually um, I was working in London in Victoria Street um, near Victoria Station and a coffee shop opened up across the road this would be in the 1970s or 80s I can't remember exactly yeah um, and it was called the Seattle Coffee Company and basically it was founded by a, a woman who had come over to um, England or Europe to sort of tour Europe for a while, as a sort of gap year or two, um, and she came from Seattle in the on the west coast of the states, mm. where they are very into coffee, and she was very annoyed that in London she couldn't basically get what she regarded as a decent cup of coffee, so she did the obvious thing and started her own coffee shop, um, and she was pretty. She was, I think, a sort of business um, student anyway, so she got into this. And, of course, very quickly she opened up more and more of these shops around London. She had something like 30, I think. Oh, wow. When she got an offer from a company called Starbucks, and they said, wow. hey, we're thinking of setting up in England, but it would be much easier for us to start up if we just buy you, buy your company. Mm. And so we got 30 straight away. So she, she did that, and then they offered her the job of being head of Starbucks UK, which 
I'm not sure if she still is, but she was for a few years ago still. When she started um, up her coffee shops, I doubt she imagined that she would then be the head of Starbucks. Like, that's that's crazy. Well, the, only the UK company, obviously. But mm. I mean, the point oh, is, yes. Yeah. But so, so that was a very successful thing. And, of course, Starbucks then started the trend for these um, places. And there's now obviously several ch- big chains, although some of them have uh, not done so well over the past year, of course, because they haven't been open yeah. um, for a while. So I'm not quite sure how it's going to shake out with this. But the big ones like Starbucks and Costa and, and Cafe Nero are obviously all still going to be running, I'm sure. Obviously, in, in St Albans, we have a mix of the, the chains and the independents. And um, that's a really good sort of thing because you can compare the different ones. And obviously, the independents like Charlie's and some of the others are um, more special and so on but they're never going to be a, probably a, a chain a global chain and probably you know they don't want to be I know I also I am um, I learned recently that pret are doing like it's interesting how different coffees do like different ski, like different um business do different schemes so pret are doing something where you pay 20 pound for the month and then you can get five um I think it's an, an unlimited amount of coffees per day, but you can't buy two coffees within a half an hour window. Um, but also, I just thought that was quite interesting. But also, um, I think that what you were talking about earlier is kind of links back to it about um, coffee shops being a place for meetings. I suppose they offer like free wireless internet for customers. So it encourages businesses and personal um, work at like those locations. And I think coffee shops are are a good place to meet for business meetings because it's just a neutral location like it's somewhere that's neutral but also linking to the fact that we're talking about like independent a mix of independent and like chain coffee shops I really have noticed from working at an independent coffee shop that um there's such a community around the coffee shop like you get to know your customers so well and it's also crazy like sometimes you get you know so many things about the customer that you never would have thought you'd get to know and they're kind of they're not a stranger to you but you only really see them once or twice a week, but you know maybe a lot more than you ever thought you would. Um, but with Charlie's, there's so many regulars that come back and it's so nice to see the same faces over again. Um, and I just, yeah, there's definitely, I think there's a lot more of a community spirit amongst independent coffee shops than there is with chains. And I think that is a big part. It's definitely a big part of what Charlie wants for like the, the, the um, community to be at the centre of what she does absolutely and that's right as i said i mean the business side is quite fun i mean if for example you're starting up a business and that means basically for most people these days you've got a laptop and a phone and that's basically how you start your business um, obviously you can go and rent an office and renting an office for the day is going to cost you you know 100 150 pounds perhaps yeah but the alternative is you just go and sit in a coffee shop and use their wi-fi and um you know sit in the corner somewhere and don't make a big fuss um, and you just buy a coffee or a pastry or two during the day which so it costs you a few pounds you know 10 pounds rather than that in fact my local re- um, hotel here i remember uh, recently when they were trying to drum up some business after they could open up they were offering a 10 pound deal for the day where they give you as many coffees as you want and you can sit there and use the wi-fi all day yeah exactly so it is especially in covid times um chains and independent shops can use schemes to entice people to come to their shops and stay there um but i actually agree i really like um working kind of in coffee shops it's just it's really especially if you're revising like i remember when i was revising for my gcse's not so much with a levels because firstly 
the A-levels exams didn't go ahead in full capacity, but also because the coffee shops weren't open. But I liked going to coffee shops because it was a completely different environment um, and it just got you out of the house. And yeah, you could have a coffee and it made it a lot more enjoyable to revise. Um, so I think, yeah, these you, if you find a quiet spot, it's kind of as good as a library, really, unless you need the resources in the library. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's absolutely, it's, it's great. I mean, I think um, I got into this about, uh, I can't try to remember how long ago it was, but I went on a business trip to Australia mm-hmm. um, and um, Melbourne in particular is a sort of cafe culture gone mad. There's hundreds of cafes there. But also every time I sort of phoned someone up and said, okay, we've, we're going to meet up about something or other we were talk, discussing, everybody always suggested going to a particular, you know, to a coffee shop a cafe yeah um, and a different one so I actually probably worked my way around most of the cafes in the center of uh, Melbourne <laughs> over a period of yeah. a week or so um, but it was quite fun and just got into the habit of it and it was just the actual natural thing to do everybody did all the time um, after work they went to the pubs but during the daytime they went to the cafes I was going to say this like pubs are definitely for more like an afternoon evening affair whereas coffee shops can you can run them throughout the whole day and people still go yeah, but it's it's a sort of informal atmosphere, but it's still good for sort of doing business, which is, um, you know, obviously what people want, want to do. And I think that works very well. And um, so, you know, that is a change in sort of culture, I think, for the um, last few years, which um, everyone just does that now. And I suppose all you young people, when you're starting up your business, that's what you'll do. So just was... take your laptop into the cafe. Mm, but what's also interesting is that, like chains like McDonald's or Burger King or KFC, some coffee places are coming becoming drive-throughs, such as co- like there's a Costa Coffee drive-through that's been opened up in St Albans, um, and that is a completely new way of working. You never that's that that's a completely new um, way that coffee shops are selling their coffee because that was in the past that's never been a thing. Um, bit dangerous driving off with a hot coffee though i think hey, yeah i know not a good that, idea. i know and also you you shouldn't really be drinking coffee when you're driving anyway so i'm not sure it's good to be promoting that absolutely actually interesting when i was in australia it was actually the first time i'd seen because they, they tried out an experiment in sydney and they, that's where they first had these mac cafes oh what uh, are they? So that's where i first saw one well it's basically a, a little cafe on the side of a mcdonald's so it's more, more coffee-orientated. Oh, the Mook Cafes, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the first time I saw that was in Sydney, and, and I did discover afterwards that was sort of where they experimented on, on uh, trying it out. Um, so, uh, and that was uh, probably about 20 years ago, actually, to be honest, so a long time ago now. It's interesting, though, how McDonald's can market their coffee so cheaply, but I think that puts questions over the supply chain of their coffee and where it's coming from. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's also a fair issue. But of course, at the same time, they're so big, presumably they can um, do deals with people and get a de- decent price or a cheaper price simply because they're going to buy millions of the things, you know. Yeah, it's like they're, they're bulk buying, so they get it a lot cheaper, kind of. That would be my guess. Anyway, I don't know. Um, right. So uh, do you think that um, you'll be using coffee shops more often or will you, well, obviously you, you probably won't want to go out socially with, in a coffee shop if you've been working in one all day or all week? Um, I maybe, you know what, I actually now, I feel really guilty if I go to a chain because I work for an independent coffee shop. So I have had times where I've wanted to go to Charlie's during the day, but I haven't quite made it. But um, no, it's, I definitely want to go. I'd never, never, ever in the past, um, 
think about going to a coffee shop and getting takeout coffee like I've never been into that my, my family's not into that at all so I've never I haven't been like brought up in that because I know one of my friend's mums she goes for a coffee literally every morning like she walks in town and that's her routine but my, my mum isn't like that really but um I think I'd be a lot more eager to go to a yeah independent chain and get coffee from there if I was in London say and I saw an independent coffee shop then I probably would actually buy something um because now I know I like the taste of coffee yes but you're not addicted that's right yeah <laughs> <laughs> hopefully okay. not I, I think I do find it rather odd I see people who um basically um go in and queuing up often to uh, buy a coffee takeaway coffee and um they're often obviously people I know who live locally and I sort of think well why are they doing that don't they know the recipe themselves can't they make it at home I know I think I, th- I do understand what you mean because I think but I, I think over COVID times, we were, I was talking about this with my colleagues at work. I think going out for a coffee became such a valued thing by people working from home because they were stuck in their houses all day. Going out and getting coffee was gave them a bit of social time, gave them something to do. They had a little treat with the coffee. Like it actually became something they really enjoyed doing. And I remember over lockdown, not over lockdown, but um, when Charlie's was, yeah, when Charlie's was, uh still open during kind of COVID times people would um it was really really still really really busy because customers just wanted that kind of um variety in their day um yeah well I think also it's probably just simply a bit of normality for them as well yeah definitely yeah yeah okay well look this has been a very interesting little chat here and it's glad to know I think it's also um, one of the things I always recommend to anybody um, younger people to uh, try out is actually to try working in a shop or something like that where you're dealing with customers because it gives you really good experience and you learn that people are um, you know interesting it's uh, nice people people are nice and friendly to you there are people who are less than nice and friendly to you and you have to sort of deal with them in various ways and you have to learn ways of dealing with people of all sorts of different people and, and so on and um, it's quite a, a good sort of life experience thing I think so do you feel that has sort of um, you know affected you in that way? Oh definitely um, I've definitely learned that the customer's always right for example once when someone forgot to pay I said oh you forgot to pay but you're meant to say oh I forgot to charge you like you're always meant to say that as if like you've made the mistake but I've also learned um yeah I definitely gain confidence and it is actually a skill because my job is standing at the front of the coffee shop um taking the order and putting it on the till and then and then what the biggest part of the job is chatting to the customer you have to be quite good at making conversation even if your customer doesn't give you much to go off of um yeah you you have to try and find ways to get around that and it, it was also really difficult during COVID times. Nobody was doing anything. So when you asked, oh, how's your week been? Or what have your plans for the weekend? Literally, no one had anything to say. So it was really difficult to keep the conversation <laughs> I'm going to be at home alive. all the time. Yeah. And I was just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I was asking the questions, but I kind of knew the answer that I was going to get. Okay, well, that sounds like you're getting into it. I have to say, I don't feel you'd have a problem chatting to people because it seems to me that you're pretty um, pretty good at that. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> okay, well, look, it's been nice to, uh, nice chatting to you uh, then, and Anna, you. so uh, thank you for that. And um, yes, well, good luck with the job, and it sounds like it's going well, and presumably you're going to be working there over the summer. Yes, yeah, over summer. I'm, I've already taken on more shifts, um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So if anybody's listening who fancies going down to get a nice coffee from... Uh, 
Anna at um, Charlie, Anna at Charlie's. <laughs> <laughs> um, and do, you'd like them to give you a tip as well, would you? Uh, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for that. Anyway, nice to speak to you, and uh, we'll uh, do it again soon. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and uh, don't forget there's plenty more podcasts of all sorts of subjects on RadioVerilum.com, and uh, do look out for the next one from The Generation Gap. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>